it's hard to find those that are dedicated to the jobs they do. It doesn't matter what you do. If you scrub toilets or if you build houses, if you do land development, whatever the case may be, you may be a sweeper, a whatever. The reality is you should do that to the glory of God. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stewart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of 1 Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stewart. Well, this morning we're going to be looking back in 1 Peter, and I've entitled this message, Submitting to Difficult People. I thought it'd be appropriate to put some boxing gloves there. Um, So many times that's how we handle difficult people, right? Uh, We get all riled up and we want to find ourselves in a fighting match with them. And so the encouragement um, that I want you to have this morning is to know there's an alternative uh, to fighting um, those that are difficult people. And so again, I hope everyone's had a restful weekend. I hope you had some time to reflect on the message from last week as we, as we were reminded that the harvest is coming. And that which we sow is that which we will reap. And, and so my encouragement is that we are all ready to reap the harvest in which God would have for us the spiritual things. Two weeks ago, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 17 which Peter calls all of us to submit to the governments or to the authorities that have been placed over us. And so we looked at two main points, simple points. Submission to the government is, number one, commanded. And submission to the government, secondly, is God's will. God has instructed us to submit unto the authorities that he has placed over us. All government, all officials, all authority that is in place is in place by God himself. And no one that is in authority is there apart from God's desire for them to be there for His ultimate purpose of bringing glory to Himself. This week, we have another extremely difficult task, a very hard command that we are called, again, to submit to. And this week, our submission is into the workplace. So we've been looking uh, in an outline form as Peter's response to Christian submission. We've noticed that Peter's call to submission in the government is 13 to 17. Peter's call to submission in the workplace, which we'll look at today, is verses 18 to 25. And then next week is verses 1 to 7 of chapter 3, in which he explains the submission within the family. Again, for those that are, have not been here, we've been working through First Peter. And this last few weeks, we've been dealing with the word submission, the S word. One that is very difficult in our culture um, as movements are flushing through. And so as a way of quick reminder, the word submission in the Greek simply means this. To be subject or to subject oneself or to arrange oneself under authority. It, it really is a military term. And with that in mind, let's go to our text this morning. Again, we're looking at 1 Peter two eighteen to 25 and I'm reading... Um, This morning from the New American Standard, follow along if you would like. I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. I know we live in a culture where technology is a good thing. Trust me, I use technology. But I also want to encourage you that if the power goes out, which is very possible, I don't want you to be left in the dark. Because these are run by power, this is not. And if it does go out, that's okay, I have a hard copy. Proper preparation, right? 
So anyways, let's read our text this morning. Verses 18. Servants, be submissive unto your masters with all respect, not only to those uh, who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience towards God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering, suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin you are harshly treated? You endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it patiently and endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example for you to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. And while being reviled, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continuously straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and the guardians of your soul. Uh, This text is a very difficult text to teach. Because what it is calling us to do is something that we are unable to do in our own power and in our own ability. Rather, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, the working of the Holy Spirit, we will find ourselves lacking The overlaying message that we see here is that submitting to authority that has been placed over us, whether the government or within the workplace, it is a must that we submit whether we are wronged or not. This is God's call in our life. And it takes grace, it takes mercy, and it takes relying on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if you're here this morning and you've been beat up, Maybe in your job, maybe you got a difficult boss, maybe you've been wronged, maybe you have lived a life in which you do good all the time, but you're never noticed. This is going to teach us how are we to respond. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Two things that I want us to get from this text today, and two simple things, is number one, submission should not be conditional. It shouldn't be conditional. But rather, secondly, submission should be characteristic. In the first three verses of the passage, we see Peter encouraging us, while in the same manner commanding us with an imperative to submit regardless of how you and I are being treated. Now, while in our day there seems to be some differences, at least in our culture as an American culture, We have just discussed about submitting to the authorities, the government, prior to this passage. And within our government, it is not legal to have or to own someone in which we call a slave. Now, there was a time and and a way of life when this was the case, in which Peter finds himself in this culture. And honestly, there are still many today that are enslaved all across the world. But there is a difference in America, at least at some point. Let me explain. As we look at the 13th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States in section 1, it says, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. What that's saying is that slavery 
an involuntary servant to it or illegal unless you've been convicted of a crime by the court. In other words, the state has authority to enslave you by simply convicting you of a crime. They can make you work. They can do whatever they wish under some regulations through community service and through state-approved agencies. And so while we look at this passage, we don't deny the fact that there were a different culture in the day and that there was a different time, but this message is not meaningless to us today. There is a lot to learn from this message because there are many in our day that are enslaved, even in America. Some by choice, some not by choice. But this message that Peter is teaching here, I want you to understand, reaches far beyond the scope of slavery. He is speaking to all of us. And really, if you are in Christ, the Scripture says you are a slave to Christ. Now, we have a good boss. We have a good master who loves us and who is righteous and who is perfect. But because there were slaves during this time, some were very difficult to work with and to serve under. Now, while in our culture that looks a little different, but it really fits the description in our day as bosses and workmen. Now, I know that there were bad masters, and so does Peter. But there were also good ones. But the word here used for slave is different than the Greek word doulos, which means a servant. The Greek word used here refers primarily to domestic helpers. Slaves that work within the household, personal servants. Listen, I don't know about you, but when I used to work out in the real world under a, a, a construction company or wherever it was in the elevator business, and even here as a pastor, I am under the authority of somebody. And so are you. You may be the owner of a business, but you're the, under the authority of Christ. You answer to him, the big boss. Maybe you're a servant and you're a worker for someone that is a boss. You are to submit to them, whether they are good or bad. I was commanded to submit to the authority in which I find myself under now and then. Now, while the illustration breaks down because I have the choice to leave and to quit and to relocate myself into another job, these slaves didn't. Many times they did not. But it doesn't matter with whom I am under. While I am under them, for that period of time, I am called to submit to them. And that is why I say, first off, submission should not be conditional. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. Let me bring this into 2018 for us. Is your boss hard to deal with? Don't, t- don't say that out loud. Is he really unreasonable in his expectations towards you? Or maybe you have been given a boss that is quite the opposite. He may be a gentleman, an honest man, one that honors you. Either way, the reality is that this text is going to teach us that we are to submit to them regardless. The word used here for respect meant simply means to fear. Now, does that mean that you should be fearful of your boss? 
Well, of course not. Peter calls us to fear the Lord throughout his book. He just got finished telling us in chapter 2, verse 17, to fear God. He also tells us in chapter 1, 17, about fearing the Lord. We are not to be fearful of men, but rather fearful of God. We are to have a reverential awe of God and who He is. We are not to fear man, but rather to fear the Lord. You are submissive to your boss. Listen this morning, you should be. Not because you fear Him, but rather because you fear the Lord. And by submitting, you're showing that you are not only serving Him, but you are serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. The work you do in your everyday life, whether it be young people and to your parents, whether it be young men and to your bosses, young ladies and to your bosses, the reality is, is you do not work so much for them as you do the Lord Jesus Christ. Their motivation for submission and service was not the respect of their master, but rather the respect and reverence of their God. And so that's why Peter can call us to submit and to work bosses, good and bad. You see, it's God who viewed their work as if it were done unto Him. Now, while many of these household servants were loved and and trusted members of the family in which they served, there were many that weren't. There were many that were mistreated. These folks served good masters, and, and many served bad masters. But submission to a kind boss is the same as submission to a, a difficult boss. But maybe you're here today, and you're experiencing something different. Maybe your conditions aren't as good as theirs. Maybe your workplace is filled with disruptive hollering and screaming listen i've been a part of it all i've been belittled there in atlanta in downtown atlanta 65 stories up where i was being screamed at in my face by a man that was my boss and i had two choices not pay my bills and walk off that job or to pay my bills and suck it up and submit unto him now um, i was a fairly new christian back then and therefore, the boxing gloves came out a lot of the times. But in reality, we're called to do that in a way that honors God. Maybe you're being accused of things. Maybe you're listening to foul-mouthed people demanding you in your ways that no one should be speaking to you. But in reality, this command to submit still applies to each one of us. It still applies both for the good and for the bad. Because your submission is not based upon your conditions. You are not doing this for your boss's joy, but for the joy of the Lord. And so surrender your right to do things your way, or speak as you please and do things His way is what we're called to do. That's easy to say, isn't it? But very difficult to do. But in doing so, we show that we're trusting in the Lord. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three reads this, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Be humble, and this will bring honor to God. Peter says, find, in verse 19, find that For this finds favor, for if for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up uh, under sorrows when suffering unjustly. 
He says, this finds favor, submitting even when it seems impossible. Now, I know that many here are bosses and many here are Christian men that should be good bosses. And I want to ask you the question, are you leading your business as well? Are you a good boss or are you a bad boss? Are you taking care of your people? Are you respecting your people? Are you honoring them as you would honor God? Because as believers and followers of Christ, we need to make sure that we honor the God that we worship by the way we handle the people who are under our authority. It's important to evaluate how we are instructing our workers and to make sure that you are being a boss that is making easy for those who work under you submit to your leadership. Listen, nobody likes a rank boss. I like the part right here because it's a major part of the text. It says, for the sake of conscience towards God. Being conscious of God is to know God and to be aware of His presence. When we really know God, it makes it a whole lot easier to submit as God calls us to submit. That doesn't mean it won't be hard, but it should make it easier. Because we are aware of who God is and that God is even sovereign over every aspect of our lives, even those that are in authority over us. He is in control of what's happening right now and in the days to come in your life. And submission is one way of showing that you can glorify God. Not your boss, but the glory of God. Listen, if your boss knew that you worked hard and not for him, for a simple paycheck that you would receive, but rather you were working to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, you would get their attention. And you know what? They would be looking for more Christians to hire. But unfortunately, in our culture, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It's hard to find good help. It's hard to find those that are dedicated to the jobs they do. It doesn't matter what you do. If you scrub toilets or if you build houses, if you do land development, whatever the case may be, you may be a sweeper, a whatever. The reality is, you should do that to the glory of God. From the greatest job to the least job, all are important and all are part of the working, the body of Christ to honor Him. So when that boss is at your throat, submit to him. You're storing up treasures in heaven. When that boss pushes you to a level that you think it's time to pull out the boxing gloves, remember at that point who you're serving. You remember submission is an inward attitude. Don't forget that. So until you settle that you are serving God, pride will overtake you. And you will always feel under the gun. Because you need to be reminded that serving God is what we need to be focused on. This quote I thought was an encouraging one. It says, Merely enduring unjust suffering and accompanying pain is not what is pleasing to God. What pleases God is being mindful of God, cultivating a trust, trusting awareness of God's presence and of His never-failing care while enduring pain. God is looking for trust and faith. Isn't that true? God wants to see our obedience in the midst of where we're at. Maybe God has you in the job that He has you to grow you closer to Him and His image. Maybe God has you under that difficult boss so that you can become more like Christ. 
Maybe God has you as a boss to teach you and to treat you how you need to be treated and treat them that are under you. It's important that we remember submission, but submission should not be based off of condition, but secondly, but rather secondly, submission should be based upon characteristics. If you're here this morning, you claim to be a Christian, then Christ should be in you. The scripture says, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. If you do not see Christ's likeness in your life, then you better make a test of your faith. Because if the devil can convince you that you are something you are not because you did some kind of work or effort or you walked the aisle or you prayed a prayer or you were dunked in the water and you think that's what saves you, then you've missed it. Those are all a byproduct of what God is doing and drawing us to himself for his glory and for his honor. It's Christ who lives in us. Your submission should be a reflection, a characteristic of your Christian walk. You should reflect Christ. So the question we all have to ask ourselves, do I reflect Christ in my life? Whether I'm a boss, whether I'm a servant, whatever the case is, do I reflect the image of Christ? Jesus is our example We need to mirror his life. It says here in verse 21, For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Listen, it's your calling. It's my calling. People desire to know the will of God for their lives. They will buy books. They will go to conferences. They will do whatever it costs, pay whatever it costs to find out what it is that is God's will for their lives. They will uproot their families. They will move to foreign countries. They will pray. They will do whatever it takes to know what it is that God has called them to do. And that is great. But this morning, if you are here and you're listening and you're not sleeping, and you're watching in the back or watching live, the reality is this. God has spoken in His Word. And God is calling you to fulfill your call in, his, in your life. And He says, you've been called for this purpose. What purpose? Since Christ also, also suffered, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow. We're to suffer for Christ. Your purpose is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, let me ask you an honest question. How many of us are truly suffering for Christ? What does that look like in America where we're spoiled? Like, we're disappointed because the water's cold, right? At least we're not in some ravished river in India that's filtrated with feces and trash. We have clean water. We are in a building that's nice and air-conditioned when it might be a little warm, but that's okay. It could be a lot hotter. It could be like me and Zane in India, me preaching at night in open-air ministry while they sit on the dirt floor, sweating my eyeballs out. But they were there, hungry for the Word of God. Listen, the reality is this. He says, this is your purpose. To suffer for Christ. How are we doing in that? If our purpose is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. How can we accomplish that? 
It only comes from the power of prayer and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen to what the pastor of Hillsong United stated in one of his books called How to Maximize Your Life. It's important we know what those people we so deeply listen to and entrust into our ears. Brian Houston says, Never accept the mindset that persecution and suffering are the will of God. They are a weapon of the devil who is hell-bent on distracting you from God's amazing plan for your life. Buddy, I don't know what Bible you're reading because the Bible that I read says differently. It says that our purpose is to suffer for Christ's sake. And we are too comfortable as Christians. We're so comfortable that we don't even want to be uncomfortable by making somebody uncomfortable by telling them what's uncomfortable. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the sake of palatability, this man distracts from the truth of God's word. And we have to be careful. Because God says, if they persecute me, you can better bet your backside. They will persecute you. And we are comfortable as the American church, as we watch it deteriorate around us. When you do right and you are wronged, that is suffering for Christ's sake and that's our, God's will for our lives. When you serve God and all you do is get beat down and chipped away and persecuted, do it for Christ's sake. That's suffering. When you work as hard as you can, sweat by the brow of your head, and you do it all for the sake of Christ, and you are mocked, you're suffering for the sake of Christ, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ by the way you work and submit until your boss. When you serve that someone, you are serving Christ Himself. They don't acknowledge it, Keep suffering for the sake of Christ. You are fulfilling your purpose and you are bringing a great amount of honor to the Lord Jesus Christ who suffered as the greatest example for you and me right there on Calvary's cross as he was pierced through for our iniquities. We live in a day when people want a vacation lifestyle. Slave is not greater than his master. John 15, 20. They persecuted Christ. He says they will also persecute you. You see, this is what people can't understand about Christians. Sometimes we as Christians can't understand what's happening. But when persecution breaks out, what happens to Christianity? It spreads and multiplies. Why? Because it's the will of God that we as Christians stand up for our faith and that we endure persecution for the sake of Christ. And we're encouraged. They rejoice when they were persecuted. They rejoice when they were whipped for saying the name of Jesus is the only way of salvation. And they had a celebration. How are we even worthy to be persecuted for our faith? Wow. Some deep faith, isn't it? Jesus is the greatest example. No matter how bad things got, no matter how bad persecution got, Jesus of Christ suffered. 
in verse 22 says he committed no sin. He was perfect. Nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. He was perfect. And while being reviled, he still remained perfect and he did not revile back. He did not repay evil for evil. While suffering, he suffered quietly, uttering no threats. But he noticed what he did. The example was he kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. If we are going to endure persecution as a Christian culture, then we have to remember who it is we're serving. Just like Jesus did. He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. God the Father. Though Jesus didn't do anything wrong, he endured the pain. They flogged him and whipped him. And on that whip, there was small slivers of glass and metal which ripped, literally ripped away his flesh. Yet he endured. And while they nailed him to the cross and pierced him in the side, he endured for our sins and our transgression. He uttered no threats, but only showed mercy and grace. As he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Too many times we expect unbelievers to act like Christians when what we should be reminded of is they know not what they do. I was at uh, the Christian bookstore in Savannah and a, uh, a gentleman and I began to conversate and he said, I don't know how in the world it is that someone could be an unbeliever in our day. And I reminded him, I said, well, um, can you not remember when you were an unbeliever? when you rejected the gospel, when you didn't believe in the message of Jesus, and you would place bumper stickers that say, look busy, Jesus is coming. Listen, we used to be the worst of sinners. And if we would have died in that state, we'd have been separated from God eternally. We expect too much out of unbelievers. When the reality is, Jesus says, forgive them for they know what not they do. Maybe your boss isn't a believer. And the only Christ he will see is your submission unto him. Jesus trusted the Father because he knew that the heart and the judge that God would judge righteously. Yes, he did this for a purpose. And verse 24 says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross as I shared again the remembrance of the gospel with my son this morning was that Jesus Christ paid for your sins I don't care where you are this morning maybe you came here and you just came to visit someone getting baptized that's okay God has intentions God has great plans for your life and maybe while you rebel now that's okay God will draw you to himself. It's not your work. It's not your abilities. It's not your effort. It's not your mom and your dad's effort or your grandparents or your brothers or your sisters. The reality, salvation is a work of God. And I just so happen to trust that God who created you, who built you, and who gave you life, and who gives you every breath in your heartbeat when you lay down at night and you think that thing could just stop at any moment. 
My, my car dies, the batteries die, the, the battery's liable to go out into the system, but my heart, week after week, day after day, month after month, year after year, keeps beating and flowing. Even though I eat big, fat, nasty hamburger, it's still beating, but one day it could stop. But I'm reminded daily that, that life is a gift of the Creator, and He has great value for your life. And by His grace, He will draw you to Himself. He will reveal to you how much He loves you and how much He cares for you. He sent His only begotten Son. And unless you have children, you can't understand that. But He sent His Son to die on a cross that you might have life and that you might have life abundantly. Oh, what do we have to rejoice? We have great to rejoice in. Because He's provided a way. And while they nailed Him to the cross, He trusted in the Father who judges righteously. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin, to live and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. You know, Paul Washer is a very powerful preacher. In one sermon, he leans over the pulpit and he says, Do not think I will ask Jesus Christ to make you the Lord of his life. He is the Lord of your life. Whether you accept him, whether you reject him, you know why? Because God has given him a name that is above every name. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's powerful. That is powerful. Have you trusted in Christ? Don't wait. Because that heart could stop at any minute. And it will be too late. It will be too late. The price that Christ paid for you and for me was so that we might die to sin. For the Christian... It's that we've been given victory over sin. And we are to live for righteousness. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Lord forbid, thank the Lord we don't have to be perfect, but that we have one that was perfect. Because if perfection equaled salvation, we'd all be in big trouble. Because you might have been perfect today, but just wait till you walk out of that door and you get hungry. And your attention span gets really uh, lackadaisical and your children get on your nerves or your wife gets under your skin or maybe your wife, your husband gets under your skin. You'll sin soon enough. Don't worry. Give it time. Stay without food for long enough and you'll sin. Get let, you know, stay up for about 24 hours and you'll sin. The reality is, is we, we have one that's perfect. And Christ paid for you and for me that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I call Sunday after Sunday to live lives that bring honor to God. Because by His wounds you were healed. And you can have victory over sin. And maybe this morning you're here and you're thinking, Pastor, I have a sin that I consistently do. And nobody knows about it but Christ. And I want you to know that God loves you enough that he can give you victory over that sin. He's paid for it on the cross. You just need to trust in him. Rely on him. You are given the power to conquer sin in your life 
through the power of the Holy Spirit and to live righteous lives for God. But some have never experienced this. But some have, and you can remember the gift of salvation. For in verse 25, we're reminded that we were continually straying like sheep, but now there's a transition there. This is what you used to be, but now this is what you are. But now you have returned to the shepherd, the guardian of your soul. Today, I want to encourage you to return to the shepherd, the guardian of your soul. And ask you the question, do you show the characteristics of a Christ-like life? Today, I want to call you to holiness. For the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and cares for you. And you can believe the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we do when we're baptized. It's a symbol of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have you trusted in the name of Jesus? Today, I want to call you to believe. Submission shouldn't be conditional, but rather it should be characteristic of a follower of Christ. Let's pray. We would like to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of 1 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Ridgeville, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org and to find out more information about the ministry of Pastor Stuart Guthrie, check him out on the web at gettingintheword.com. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.